It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, okay, my name, D. Hello everyone, my name is D. Gill and I am welcoming you to the newest episode of the Game Day Tea. We are literally flipping into another episode today and I say that kind of jokingly but seriously because I have a gymnastics special episode for you all. Today, uh, I really am fascinated by gymnastics. It's something that I have always dreamed of doing, especially floor routines. I <laughs> I just I just love the floor routines, but I wanted to talk to somebody that has actually been a gymnast, coaches gymnastics, and that person is no other than San Jose State's assistant coach, Jeffrey Langenstein. Welcome to the yes. Game JT. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. No problem. I, I know you are really busy with recruiting and everything, so I, I can't even imagine how your schedule is right now, Jeffrey, and just trying to fit me into all of that, because if, if you're not recruiting all the time, then what are you really doing, right? Exactly. No, like we, we say on the program, recruiting is your lifeblood. Like if you're not trying to get better, you're always trying to look ahead to the future and what we're trying to build at San Jose State. Um, is something special. And so recruiting is always on my mind. I'm always on Instagram looking at these kids' accounts and what they're bringing. And there's so many talented young kids out there. So it is very time consuming, but it gives me an, uh, an excuse to fan out on some great gymnastics. So That's awesome. And, and we're going to get back into that. But before you were a recruiter, you were actually a gymnast. If you don't mind, just giving me a little, giving our listeners a little background um, or your pronouns, where you're from, your, and your background in gymnastics as well. Yeah, so um, I was actually born in the Bay Area, um, San Carlos, California, and um, I was a gymnast at San Mateo Gymnastics from the little mommy and me classes at three years old all the way up until high school graduation um, up in Belmont, California, and then I received um, a partial scholarship to UC Berkeley, so go Bears, I love your Cal hat, by the way. Thank you. And um, I competed on the the men's team from 09 to 14. And then upon graduation, um, I started uh, volunteering with the women's program. And we shared the same building and the same facility. And I had roommates and teammates on the women's team. Um, So it was just kind of a natural transition. And I initially started with through choreography for the floor teams, like you were discussing. Mm -hmm. But then it turned into something new because I had a foundation with vault and tumbling. And I started doing that, um, those events. And then I, I loved dance and performance. So that helped with beam choreography, floor choreography. Um, and from there, I kind of just got into a little gig of like, okay, I'm going to start coaching more events now. And then that led to a full-time position out in St. Louis. And then another opportunity arose here at San Jose State. Um, so if you had asked little elementary school, middle school, me, like, are you going to be a coach one day? We're just like, no, my coaches are mean. They make me do things I don't want to do. Like but splits. here do I am. You, do they make you, the, like, people do the splits? Like, I oh, know I've seen some absolutely. videos out there. And they're just like pushing girls down. Like, you're going to get into the split. That's more, I've seen it for like cheerleading and gymnastics. Is that true? Not just girls, but also boys. Like, I think cause I, I was grown up, I grew up in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of the old Soviet coaches that came to America wanting to build 
a better life for themselves or a different life. I don't want to say better, but a different life for themselves. Right. Um, and that's how they were coached. So that's how that's how they knew success in um, in the Soviet, yeah. you know, dominant era. Mm. And so I just remember having, you know, my legs pulled over my head and, and my knees being pushed out. But, you know, as a young child, you have to really build up the flexibility if you want to do the the technically correct gymnastics. And um, I, I think as a younger coach, I'm not trying to say there's a right way and a wrong way, but with kids that age, you know, you have to start to learn how to keep them accountable. And yes, they are kids, mm -hmm. but you can't say, hey, you need to do the splits if you want to get a better score and have a better aesthetic and pointing the ankles. And it, or the kid is just going to sit there and kind of like, stare at you it's like okay well let me show you how to do it oh you're still not going to do it okay well hey this is this if you want to get better mm -hmm. then this is how we we have to do it um and i'm not saying it's torture but it it, right. it is uncomfortable yeah. yeah but at the I'm... same time like there's that internal drive versus external drive that we're we're discussing but mm -hmm. you know what seven or eight year old has that internal drive to get their splits all the way down unless you're doing it at home or or there, there's a little push. So there, there's got to be some give and take. That, that, and that is so true. And what do you identify as, by the way? Um, cis male. Okay. And are you openly gay? Yes, okay. absolutely. So, so with that being said, when did you, I know you were doing gymnastics since you were three. When did you come out uh -huh. with all of this year, Let's see. years of okay. experience? So I think in eighth grade out of my... Um, eighth grade or our eighth grade graduation party is like a class. Um, I think I came out as bi to one of my, my ex-girl, my sixth grade ex-girlfriend. <laughs> um, we all know how those go. Yes, and I then, um, <laughs> right. And then let's see, I want to say junior, between junior year and senior year, mm -hmm. I started to come out to more of my teammates at my club gym. Mm -hmm. um, and they were all older than me and they they knew they were just like oh we were kind of just waiting for you to tell us <laughs> and then i remember very very vividly it was october let's see when did i graduate oh nine so it was october 08 october of my senior year of high school um that we were in a dance competition because i was also on one of the, the hip-hop teams um through my school okay. and it was at san mateo high school and I had to leave practice early and I told all of my younger teammates, hey, I'm going to be at a dance performance if you want to come. It's fine. Um, and so they all came to support, but the auditorium at San Mateo High was filled with people. And it was just a, a small competition team or exhibition team. And I was the only guy. So the MC chose to ask me. And I think she said, what is it like to be on stage with all these beautiful young women and all these talented ladies? And I was like, oh, it's wonderful, or something along the lines of, oh, it's wonderful, but I'm gay, so it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. And the auditorium went silent for about five <laughs> long seconds, and then it erupted with applause, and I knew my parents were in the audience, so that was the first time I had said anything. So I didn't have, like, this little private, intimate oh, coming-out moment, but I just <laughs> made, like, a huge public declaration of it. What was that conversation like in the car? Or when you got home? Well, actually, I drove there. I actually did shut it down because I was like, eh, I don't really want to talk about it. But I think I was on such a high mm -hmm. that I got in the car with a bunch of my friends and we just drove to in and out up in Millbrae. Oh. Um, and that, that was kind of fun. But then after going home, my parents were already asleep. 
And then the next morning, my mom did want to talk about it, but I was like, not that I wasn't ready, I guess, or looking back at it, maybe I wasn't ready to talk about those feelings or emotions, but I was like, hey, it's out there and I'm going to be authentically mean. It was right before my 18th birthday because my birthday is early November and I think that was early October. So I was just kind of in this like, I I am who I am and I'm going to be authentically me. That, that kind of like rebellious phase of I'm going to own who I am and yeah. um, I'm not, I don't care who, who knows it or who sees it or who hears it. I love that. I love that. And what was the reception like of your, from your teammates at the time? I think my, again, I think everyone knew, but it was, <laughs> they were just so happy to mm-hmm. see me not have to, to, to finally say something right. and to say it. And they, I think a lot of my older teammates that had graduated, mm-hmm. um, I had kind of already told them in the summer, but the younger teammates who were, I want to say in middle school at the time, because I had a very big age gap between um, in my practice group at, in gymnastics. Okay. They were all very receptive because I think they were just like, oh, we kind of looked up to this kid who's always been like the, the older kid with the, the level 10 skills and goes to the elite competitions and all that. Mm-hmm. And he just said he was gay. And, and I think they were, they were very embracing. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually some of them are still my closest friends today because we were also teammates at Cal. Um, but I, I think they they were very, very receptive and they were so happy mm-hmm. for me. And, and I, just, I remember that feeling, talking about it now, I remember that feeling and they were just so proud and happy. Um, so that was awesome to, ha- to have such support from everyone. And, and did, you, did you think that your performance was affected by being in the closet at all? I guess performance in gymnastics? in gymnastics yeah some people say it was a mental block and i really like took off athletically when i came out some people said it didn't have any effect on me what was huh. it like for you that's interesting i i don't know if it affected the performance mm-hmm. per se but i think going to those competitions um for region states regionals nationals being kind of the only level 10 um, in my age group, when all of my other teammates had graduated, um, representing my club, um, going to the rotations and in between the events and like, maybe there were whispers or maybe like kind of like some looks from the the super straight jockey <laughs> um, yeah. contemporaries. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, if it's an overnight competition, you all hang out in the lobby and mm-hmm. um, you get a bunch of horny teenage boys talking about, oh, let's let's try and sneak into a strip bar or something like that. And mm-hmm. like all of that stuff. So I think after the competition, like behind the scenes stuff, I was like maybe a little uncomfortable. But I think in, mm-hmm. when I was actually competing yeah. on the event, it was just like I was really focused on landing on my feet right. and, and right. Um, you know, all of that. Yeah, and so growing up where I grew up in, uh, you know. That's right, you're from Georgia. Yeah, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, for those of you all listening. Uh, gymnastics, male, male gymnastics, it wasn't talked about, and it was seen as something feminine or gay to do. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't, I just said, okay, well, that well, I see the girls doing it in their leotards, the guys doing it must be gay too you know i was very young and just ill-informed but from what your experience is there's a lot of hyper masculine straight 
men that perform in gymnastics. And so mm-hmm. with that being said, did you experience any, any homophobia during your gymnastics career, your active gymnastics career? Um, I, yes, I'm trying to pinpoint an actual experience. I, I don't think I was ever bullied or named, of course it was like, oh, he's gay. But I don't think there was ever like no physical altercations. No one else had to like a third party had to get involved. No one had to come rescue me or or I wasn't getting beat up. It was very you just kind of got a like a look mm-hmm. or like kind of like whisper or like pointing. But it was never anything so abrasive that I was like, oh, well, people are going to say what they're going to say. I remember clearly going to Colorado Springs which I just came back from yesterday, actually, um, at my first um, national qualifier, it was like 10 or 11. And there was a kid from Minnesota who was, my teammates had like, oh, he knows like the entire cheer to bring it on that that scene at the beginning. And, oh, yeah. and so like, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> saying it. And then that kid like kind of made fun of me for it, but not um, explicitly, mm-hmm. but kind of like smile or like rolling his eyes or like whispering. Yeah. kind of but then lo and behold on Facebook when we're still competing against each other in high school and he goes off to college and then I go off to college um at different schools um he came out as incredibly <laughs> gay and and we're we're still connected but I'm I just think it's so funny mm-hmm. like the the hyper masculinity that yeah. image um sometimes and what they're the, what they're trying to hide yeah and sometimes the one that the most vocal and outlandish in their claims against homosexuality and they're really the ones that are in the closet sometimes sometimes not mm-hmm. all the times but you got to watch out for them just like why are you going out of your way to talk about homophobic i mean to talk homophobic rhetoric and to talk about gay people and this and that now you're on exactly. my radar boo mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> so that's that's good there wasn't anything really really uh bad for you but even just a little bit is what we're trying to eliminate uh, mm-hmm. in this world. You know, nobody should have to go through that, especially when you're that young, you know, Jeff. Agreed. And switching it now to your career at Cal, I'm just going, going through your whole life, huh? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so how was that? I, I live about 30 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes away from Cal Berkeley, and I absolutely love okay. the campus. I go to this bagel shop downtown and i go sit on the lawn and just eat my little bagel i just love the campus but you actually went there and like right actually performed sports on the sports team how was that experience mm-hmm. for you gosh that, those were some those were the best five years of my life and oh my i'll be i'll be upfront and, and honest with you it was five years because i i struggled my freshman year mm-hmm. kind of like i what i was hinting at when i talked about coming out and i'm just going to be unapologetically me and and I, I tended to start focusing on my social life mm-hmm. and I kind of carried that with me over to Berkeley. Yeah. Um, and so there's a reason I did five years instead of four because I, I lost focus my freshman year. Um, and it, it was a huge learning experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I grew the most mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. And I met some of my closest friends. Um, and to be part of something bigger than myself, to be part of Cal athletics, like that's 
world renowned. And I don't think I understood that when I signed my national letter of intent, mm-hmm. um, my senior year of high school, it's like, oh, I heard Cal's a pretty good school. And I mean, I, I was always a Stanford kid through and through. My dad works at Stanford to this day. Um, I grew up watching Stanford gymnastics, Stanford football, Stanford basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'd always go to every game and, and Maples and um, Burnham and Ford Center down at Stanford have been like my second home. So going to Cal, I was like, oh, I don't really know anything a lot about them, but I just know it's a good school. Yeah. Um, and so when I signed my my scholarship letter with them and I went there and I was like all of these prestigious athletes, um, Alex Morgan was a year ahead of me on the women's national soccer team. Um, Nathan Adrian swimming. Um, I think he was my year, year ahead of me, but I, I went to school with so many legendary athletes that mm-hmm. I wish I appreciated it at the time. Uh, Missy Franklin, who just announced her, her pregnancy. Um, and Jared Goff was actually in one of my marine biology classes. And oh, I, I, I just went with, I went to school with so many incredible people that I wish I had just absorbed all of that more and I, I would do anything mm-hmm. to to relive those days, but also like I would make so many different choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be something, to be a part of something so incredible, mm-hmm. I look back now and, and I have my Letterman jacket and people are like, oh, you went to Cal, that's awesome. You competed for Cal, that's great. I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. And so in the moment, <laughs> yeah, you don't moment, realize right? it, but looking <laughs> back, you're like, wow, I was part of, of something huge and, yeah. and legendary um, that people know about. Yeah, I mean, before I got out here, I just did the logo, you know, it's just boom, C-A-L, mm-hmm. I recognize that, I recognize, I knew about Cal, even being in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, and um, just being here now, it's like, wow, like, I'm actually on campus, it's same the feeling I get when I go to Stanford's campus, which is absolutely beautiful, um, no stunning. not Berkeley's camp- campus at all, but I mean, just really stunning and prestige, and it's just like, to meet you and to talk to you and know that you actually went there it's it's pretty amazing (laughs) and um you not only competed on the gymnastics team but you took it a step further and you said you know i'm going to make this my career i'm going to make this my career and i i really love that because you stuck to one thing as a from a three-year-old all the way to now um, you went. You actually had coaching stops in Linwood University and now mm-hmm. San Jose State. Uh, San Jose State. What What is coaching like for you right now? It is very different. Um, like I said, when I was an athlete, I I did lose a little bit of focus my freshman year, and I think on the men's program, I'm I'm not sure if you're aware, but back in September 2010, there were budget cuts that happened and men's gymnastics was one of the sports that was going to be cut at the end of the year. And we fought and with donors and cold calls, pledges, all of that, the fundraising that went behind it, um, we were saved. And so Cal men's gymnastics still exists to this day. Um, and I'm so grateful for that, that I, I want to give back to, to what I can. And so I think coaching now I was like, wow, I would have hated me as an athlete. Because, um, you know, I, I I hold my athletes to a very, very high standard. Not I'm not just saying I, but we as a, a staff at San Jose State mm-hmm. hold our athletes to a very, very high standard in the classroom. Absolutely. In the classroom, in the gym, in the community. Um, even when we're traveling in the airport, it's like, well, please don't roll out of bed and just get on the bus. Like you're representing the program and we want to yes. look 
a certain way we want to represent, whether we're at Air Force, whether we're at Georgia, whether we're up in, in Seattle, or even up the street at Stanford, you're still representing the university I always um, in and our gymnastics program. In the airport, when teams come rolling through there, I'm always looking at like who, okay, what do their hoodies say? What does their um, yes. kids say? Like, and you know, I look at it like, oh, they look good. Like they're nice, mm -hmm. it's the same matching whatever. And it's just, it, I totally agree. It's, it's how you look. When I was in marching band so many years ago in college, <laughs> we had these travel kits that we had they were maroon and white and we had our hats and our spats and there's and we looked good mm -hmm. so you, yeah I, I totally understand that part yeah um i i think coaching now even, yeah like we said the, the little things when you travel but it's it's all about communication and what i expect of my athletes i try to to live my daily life as well and i i would never i don't want to be that coach that asks them to do something when i'm not going to practice that myself yeah. um so for example with with covid it's like hey you we understand that you're in college and these are going to be some really incredible years ahead of you but mm -hmm. if you want to have some semblance of a competition season if you want to practice as a team we have to follow these very strict guidelines laid out by the university but also santa clara county so you can either opt in Mm -hmm. or opt out. And if you opt out, that doesn't make you a bad person. But right now we need people that are going to be serious about gymnastics and, and that's what they want to do. So those are really hard choices, especially as a college student when you're like, well, I'm on campus, but you're saying I can't socialize. I, I'm not going to class in person. I'm living my life on Zoom and I have to, I can only socialize with my roommate or my teammate. Um, yes, that, that and that's hard. So hard. we're asking a lot of them. We're asking <laughs> yeah. them to sacrifice a lot right now. Jeffrey, um, but that comes with that standard. In college, look, so I went to college in my freshman year and so my sophomore year at Bethune-Cookman University. I was in a marching, on a marching band scholarship and I was in Daytona Beach, Florida. And look, nice. we would be in the clubs in Orlando <laughs> every weekend. I was talking, and even during the week sometimes, Wednesday, even during the season, you know, um, <laughs> I know, I know y'all listening, whatever it happens in college, you party. And so, and, and shout out to Pulse. And I, we used to go to Pulse nightclub all the time. And I am just so sad at what happened there many years ago. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they can make a comeback of some sort. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we would go to Pulse in Orlando and just have a good time. And I can't even imagine what these college students are feeling now, knowing that all that stuff is taken away from them. It's like, if I make this one bad decision, I go to this house party, I go to this outing, I go to this club or bar, or even my friends from college that aren't even on the team, like they're right. really good together. I, my whole team may have to postpone our meet. Exactly. That's so tough. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is very, very tough. And and again, like I said, if, mm -hmm. I, if I was my coach, I would probably have not liked me as an athlete. And again, what we're asking of them is, is to sacrifice a lot. And I wanted to socialize. I mm -hmm. wanted to meet new people and, and put myself out there. Yep. And I, I kind of made that a priority sometimes more <laughs> so than I probably should have. Hey, it um, out though, right? It did. It did. You, you know, got we, got degree, degree. Right? we got the degree. We got the degree. It's framed in the next room. I have proof. Um, <laughs> I remind myself every day. Mm -hmm. um, it took me five years too, Jeffrey. So don't even feel bad. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But but you're right. We are asking them to sacrifice. Hello, everyone. We have to take a quick little break, but please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the game day tea. 
Hello everyone, welcome back to the Game Day Tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and we're flipping right back into this episode with Jeffrey Legenstein. As coaches have to be self be self-accountable as well. Like mm-hmm. you have to be like, okay, I just got invited to this little get together, little wine party, but I know I got this flight to um let's say University of Washington tomorrow. And it's just like, oh, should I really do that? Come on, Jeffrey, let me think. Right, right. <laughs> so and and I think do. that's, and I actually had to have my a little pep talk with myself earlier this season. Because <laughs> um, when I, you know, when we found out, hey, we are going to have a season, we're going to have half a season, we'll have Stanford twice, Air Force twice, UCLA once. Okay. Um, and I was, and then it, after March 20th, we'll see who went qual- ends up qualifying to postseason regionals um, or nationals. Um, and and let's let's take it from there day by day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to promise myself that I'm not going to go socialize with friends indoors in their apartments um, there you go. until this date. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually just texted my friends last night. I was like, hey, can we do like a, a socially distant like <laughs> brunch or a, something outdoors? Because I know it's going to be nicer up in the city mm-hmm. um, later today. So hoping that, you know, that goes through. And I, I trust my friends. I, I make sure I make a point to surround myself with people that I trust, especially during during this. And I don't want to be the coach that would get a oh, get coronavirus and then not be able to to be part of his team Mm -hmm. for the last few weeks of season um or practice even so i uh, you're right i also have to keep myself accountable and that's been a big challenge for me um for everybody i mean just gosh i i went to the beach montero state beach what last weekend and the weekend before that because it's so beautiful and it's just like mm -hmm. people on the beach with masks on and it's just like wow like we we're still people are still in the mindset of like let's even we're at the beach let's still be safe and make other people safe so it was really interesting but i did mm-hmm. want to talk about the actual floor because yeah. like you were at one point in, like in charge of music and stuff and let me tell you these floor routines that are coming out nowadays with these ladies <clears throat> the music selections the moves the athleticism it is top notch i mean mm-hmm. like they can, I finally feel like they can really be themselves. It's okay to pick Beyonce as your floor music. It's okay to have a little um, pizzazz. It's okay to have a little sass. It's okay to be a woman and not and get outside that box and be you. And so what has that been like for you? Like the mindset of picking music and the, the putting the routines together? I am so interested. And in, I think yeah. people listening are interested in the background of how that all comes yeah. into fruition. So, I always like, in in a non-lazy way, I always like to let them take control. Um, I will ask them, hey, what what do you like? What do you want? What what do you want this to look like? I'm not the one out there in a leotard flipping for judges. Mm -hmm. You are. So what does this look like to you? And then I, I hope that they will have a conversation with me and communicate, hey, this is something that I've liked in the past. This is something I want. This is something I don't want. Okay. Um, and then from there, I can work with that. But it's like, oh, well, whatever you think. Well, then I can't work with that. Like, let, let's have a conversation. Let's figure this out. Or else I'm just going to pick something and you're going to like it. Yeah. Um, and how do but, you push them, too, to, like, be more technical and try to score more points? There's a fine line between that as well, right? Right. So um, 
floor is actually where is is probably one of the bigger struggles because it requires the most endurance. A floor routine is about 90 seconds long max. Um, and there's X amount of require special requirements, we call them, in terms of front tumbling, back tumbling. Do you have eight skills minimum? Um, are you getting six tenths of bonus? And say someone is less of a back tumbler and more of a front tumbler, or someone is less of a flipper and more of a twister. I will try to choreograph a routine that caters to them, caters to their needs and in place to their strengths, not just in technical tumbling and dance elements, but also performance aspects. So if someone is more balletic and classical dancer, then I'll, I'll, I don't want like a, a boring strings routine, but I'll try to find something with a little more guitar or blues and like let's make it if this is college gymnastics let's make it a little spicier um and shout out to oklahoma women's gymnastics who has done incredible choreography ucla incredible choreography and performance like i just absolutely love watching them and of course cal partial to cal i absolutely love cal um floor and and choreography as well um but no, I always try to to find something that works with that athlete. If someone needs a little more face, like forcing them to smile, I'll try to make choreography that that has them looking out at the audience. Or if someone isn't as flexible in their back or legs, mm-hmm. I'll focus on shoulders and arms. So we don't we can hide the the lack of flexibility, but we can focus on just the performance. Um, but I also, in terms of catering to them, I also ask them to meet me halfway. Like, I know this is uncomfortable. Can we get you slowly from your freshman to your senior year? Come out of your shell a little bit more and more and more. Right. And gymnastics being a subjective sport, artistry and performance is actually a quality that you're judged on. So you could have all of the big skills in the world, but if the judge looks at you on that day, it's like, well, she doesn't look like she's having fun or mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna, or that, that, that split wasn't 180 degrees or something like that. Well, they, they should be taking those points. Um, so it's my job as a coach from summer preseason all the way through competition season right. to get you the most, to get you to where you need to be um, within your, within your limits wow. um, safely. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors, a <laughs> lot of external factors that yeah. I have to consider when making a routine. That's that's pretty amazing, and I I'm probably gonna get some shit for this question, but I just have to ask. It would not <laughs> be the game day tea if it was not D. Gill speaking his mind. But uh, so you're a coach, right? And you're putting all mm-hmm. this prep and practice, and you you all are killing it all week. You feel really confident in the routine, going to competition, and boom, a woman gets her period. And mm. yeah, I just caught you off guard right there, right? <laughs> and though it's so having the cramps and like that's something that like, men we don't have to experience with like I guess a football player, you know, practice all week, you go to the game, we don't have to oh my gosh, my, internally my body is doing like it's effing me up right now. Like yeah, yeah. What what is that like for them? Like I, I wish I could have a woman to get her perspective as a coach, like what have you experienced when it's just like I, cramps and yeah. everything? That's a great question. I'm not sure how to answer that. Yeah, um, it's really fascinating to me. Like I would never. Do? Well, first of all, we would never have a white leotard. Okay. Um, That's rule number one. Of course, to 
to protect them, but also give them that confidence right. um, that they need. But also we, I tr- being 18 to 22 year old women, we trust them to take care of their business mm-hmm. um, ahead of time, but also communicate with each other. You know, you've got 15 to 18 girls that are your sisters and your, your family. Uh-huh. You should be able to trust someone. We hope that you would be able to, to trust someone enough like, hey, I'm having a problem. Can you come help me out? Yeah. Um, or do you, do you have a, a spare? Um, actually, I, I have an athlete, of course, I'm not going to say her name, but uh-huh. she dropped her, her drawstring bag after practice as we were running out to the vans one day and a tampon fell out yeah. and I pretended not to see it, but she grabbed it and she turned bright red and I was like, honey, I know, like right. you're it's a woman, thing. like it's, yeah. it's natural. You're, that's supposed to happen. Like, I'm glad you're, you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your business. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine but, the cramps that they have too, though, like trying to do your yeah. routine and like physiologically just feeling awful inside. Just another thing women have to go through that I just think why they're, they're such badasses. They are. <laughs> you know, they and, are and incredible. They are. It's like, I can't even imagine just having not somebody punching me in my stomach feeling and having to go out there and do a floor routine with a, a tucks and twist and full full layouts and i just can't imagine (laughs) yeah i could not imagine either (laughs) but speaking about still about the athletes uh there's been some type of controversy with gymnastics in the past with uh larry nasser and u.s Mm -hmm. uh, olympic uh team and uh i i really feel for these athletes because here's another story with john Geddert, who killed himself y'all like mm-hmm. since he got sex, uh, accused of sexually assaulting some uh, members of the, the gymnastics team and it's just like can can they just get a break please can we just like why ruin something like like how you did gymnastics since three years old and you get to be at the u.s olympic team level you know how much blood, sweat, and tears you put into your career if you get to reach that level only to just have this happen to you, you mm-hmm. to be sexually assaulted, you know? And I just wonder, like, what, how do you think the world of gymnastics is handling this situation? And is there anything that we can do even as supporters and allies of these women? I think that as a coach, you need to set an example. Um, kind of like we talked about a little earlier of you have to practice what you preach and hold yourself accountable. Um, I think that there is no one right way of coaching, but I think in terms of a wrong, wrong way, it's belittling people. Um, these, and like I said, kids are, are young and they're multiple. They'll do whatever you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need for fear or intimidation, um, you can positively get your message across in a right way, in a way that's going to under that they're going to understand. But that requires patience on both parties' ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes you know kids are going to need a, l- a little kick in the butt to do something. But I don't. Again, I don't think shame, embarrassment, humiliation is is a part in that and verbal assault. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that USAG needs to have certain um, 
protocol in place. And I, I know that they're, they're going through a lot right now and trying to figure out how do we protect our athletes. But we are in such a time of cancel culture that on the flip side, you have to understand that these are people's livelihoods and careers. And that just because one kid disagrees with a coach's point or can go home to mom and dad and say, she was mean to me mm-hmm. and flip the story when mom and dad weren't actually at practice, mm-hmm. then you can ruin someone's whole career and, and blacklist them. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it, there's so many layers yeah. to, to what's going on right now. Um, in terms of sexual abuse, that's, that's a whole nother can of worms that I, I can't even fathom or imagine what um, the survivors went through. And I know that there's probably a lot of people out there that still haven't spoken up Um, and they must feel some unnecessary level of shame. And and I sympathize Mm -hmm. and I can only hope that you find peace. Um, But again, I think being a top down system, it, it starts with us as coaches and leaders and mentors and I encourage my young women to use their voices every day. But again, an 18 to 22 year old trying to find their independence is so different than an aspiring 10 year old elite hoping for the Olympics that will do anything. We'll go to any gym in the country, we'll uproot their family or, you know, pay whatever tuition or private lessons, what have you to, to make that Olympic spot come true. Um, And, and they should want to, to pursue those dreams. They have every right to, but also know parents should be educating their kids on there's a limiting. You need to know when to say no and when to use your voice. Um, Again, I don't want to be prescriptive or or say there's any right or wrong way, but I think as parents and leaders and coaches, encouraging them at a young age to use their voice, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, Encouraging them to stand up for themselves. I I agree with you. And uh, we should get to a place where the athletes can feel comfortable talking to the coaches, talking to their parents, and the communication piece is how I think we can put a dent in this and hopefully <laughs> eliminate it altogether. And to take it take it a step further, Jeffrey, to bring in the LGBTQ com- component of this whole podcast is if there's a someone out there you may know a teen youth someone that is in gymnastics but maybe still in the closet or not afraid to be who they are what message do you have for them it's going to be okay mm-hmm. um i think it's going to be the first thing i could say is but going deeper is you have a support system, whether that's within your immediate family, the gymnastics community, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it may not be in the childhood home that you grew up with or even your hometown, but there will be someone out there. There is someone out there that is going to love and support you and accept you for who you are. Um, I am so fortunate and blessed to have had that within my own family, my direct family. Um, my gymnastics family, my Cal family, my San Mateo gymnastics family. Um, and I know not everyone is, is as fortunate, um, but I, I want to say that there is a support system out there. And I think what's wonderful about what's different than what I grew up with is social media these days. Like I had 
MySpace and Zanga and um, what else? Like Facebook was still new. Um, And, you know, you've got Instagram, Snapchat. There's so many platforms where people can connect and find some safe harbor somewhere. Um, Be careful of, you gotta be careful out there, but there's so many ways to connect um, individuals and connect with each other and finding that platform and finding that safe space. Um, but it, it's going to be okay. You, you have to authentically be yourself and be unapologetically yourself mm-hmm. and hold no shame in that. But it, it, you, you might have to, you're going to have to take that next step. And I will welcome you with open arms when you do decide to take that next step. Oh. That's so that's so sweet, and uh, we need more people like you, Jeffrey, to thank you. Welcome, you know, especially people growing up in the LGBTQ community, and then saying that hey, there's people out here that have been through what you have gone through, and we can help you out. Like they said, be careful. Not everybody has your best interest at heart, but um, there are plenty of places and foundations out there, and specifically one. A foundation out there is the Sports Equality Foundation, and it caters to LGBTQ athletes, coaches, and sports leaders that inspire us. And uh, we we want to empower and bring uh, light to all these people in athletics. And so, if you all are looking for more information, you can uh, go to Sports Equality Foundation on Instagram, uh, Sports Equality FDN, and just look at all the different videos of different athletes talking about their coming out stories, how they're dealing with life in general. It's very, very inspiring. Uh, they're partnered with OutSports, um, Micah Porter, and uh, everybody over there are doing a great and awesome job. Uh, Jeffrey, if more people wanted to get in contact with you, how could they do that? Reach out to you specifically. Yeah, um, my Instagram, mm-hmm. J or at J Langenstein, L A N G E N S T E I N. I'm on Facebook, Jeffrey uh, J E F F R E Y, not E R R Y. In case y'all are wondering, yeah. um, I'm not really on TikTok or Snapchat. Those really aren't my my platforms of preference. I can't get into um, TikTok either. I I've, I think it's entertaining, and I'll do the the dances <laughs> if my athletes teach me. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't been able to get myself to download it or, or even spend time on it. Um, if you can convince me, feel free. Pardon? Any TikTok dances on the floor routines yet? Will we see that? Um, no, no. (laughs) For me right now, it's going to be a no, no. Um, I, I still, again, with when you're representing the university, I don't want to be that school, but if, if it's, again, it's not about me, it's about the kids. And if they feel so passionate about Lee, let's have a conversation and, and maybe I'll, I'll let you have a TikTok dance in there. Maybe we can kind of modify it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Anyways, this, Jeffrey, this has been a pleasure, pleasure talking to you and uh, likewise, uh, thank you. And, uh, everybody, if you like this episode and you want to hear more, your favorite podcast hosts, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to listen to your podcast out sports the game day t i always like to end my sessions with be true be you and be fierce everyone have a great day wherever you are at night whatever just enjoy life peace out all right